And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Happy Friday, kids. Gary, how are you? Super Bowl weekend. It's time for the big game. I was watching, uh, I was actually just about everything this week. If it's for those that don't know in, in, in broadcasting, if you don't have the broadcast rights, we can do it as a matter of coverage. Yes. But if others are doing, uh, their own coverage, but they're not like, like, uh, dedicated coverage to the Super Bowl, they can't say the word Super Bowl. They can say analysis of the big game. And, it's like okay, but we know what the big game is. I thought the you big could, game is the no, Super Bowl. I, I, I thought in in the term, for example, if we say uh, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl later on, that's fine. In the news department, yes, we can do that. But if someone's doing like um, a uh, uh, a pregame, their own pregame analysis, uh, it, they can't right, they right, can't do that. I saw who was or, it that or was pro- doing that or uh, a promotion. They can't sit there and say right. we're going to have a big Super Bowl party this weekend, right? That that is sponsored by this person, this person, this. That, if they're selling funny. TVs, hey, watch right. the big game on a new blah blah blah. And somebody who was uh, who's got a uh, who's now gone completely digital. I think for a minute he was on ESPN, and I just saw the glance up at his. Uh, check out his pregame analysis of the big game. Which big game? Because. You know, my kids have soccer on Saturday. To me, that's the biggest game of the weekend. Is there a national <laughs> badminton championship on on Sunday? I mean, it's it's like you know, it's I, your free I, shuttlecock. I get it because you know you want to say the official whatever of the you know of of the Super Bowl. I I get protecting the brand, but it's like ridiculous. What what big game would that be this weekend? Yeah, so. Uh, all right, who's your pick? Um, I don't care. No. The only thing is, the only, the only thing I would say, I, I'll be asleep. I've not seen a Super Bowl 
since uh, February of 2005. Mm. So I haven't seen, yeah. and not, I haven't seen one because I've been sleeping to come in here. Yeah. So and the game actually starts early and ends early. So I oh does it? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I mean it starts like five thirty, and by ten o'clock it's over. Oh, oh! I thought you were saying it starts earlier than normal. Okay, yeah. No, it starts yeah. five thirty our time central, yeah. and yeah. I'm asleep by five, and normally I yeah. sleep till ten, and the game's over by like quarter to ten. So I've not seen a Super Bowl in uh, in uh, in in years, and mm-hmm. I really don't care unless my team's in. I really don't care. Now I do favor any old American Football League team. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, I, I would. I I probably would rather see. You know. Uh, I mean, I used to count. When I was a kid, mm. because when the Super Bowl first started, and you know it was the NFL, it was like Green Bay mm-hmm. just uh, beat uh, you know Kansas City and Oakland, you know, big time, and it was like, oh, uh, okay. And then the Jets won the third one. Yeah. And then I believe right. Kansas City won the fourth one, mm. and then it was like tied two two, and being a you know uh, an old American Football League city, which Amer- which uh, Buffalo is, right. you, know, you wanted the. Right. I mean, it was huge. Where I grew up in Buffalo, even though I wasn't a Jet fan, when the New York Jets won and Namath won, it was huge because mm. it was mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, sure. you know, all, all, our league has parity with the big NFL, and yeah. so there's a little bit there. And you know, I look back at you know, you you think of the uh, the beginning. Now Kansas City wasn't, but the Dallas, the Texans, that is the Kansas City Chiefs before they became the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. one of the original uh, NFL teams, and you know, the Hunt family. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say the image of the Hunt family is a little bit different now with the uh, with the daughter in her pre- bikini spread. I mean, that uh, normally I don't know if you've seen those yeah. pictures that are out there now. I I, I saw the headline. I did not see the pictures, but yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, La- Lamar Hunt, one of the founders. What do they call them? What do they call the original? They had they had a name for the owners like the the uh, the idiot league or something like who's, mm. who would be that stupid mm. to try to go up against the NFL? I that oh, wasn't the idiot. I can't think of what it was, but yeah, uh, yeah. you know. And and so I look at it and I go, eh, okay. But yeah. I really don't. I just I don't care. My pick. <laughs> uh, my pick. I've I've decided I'm going to stick with it. My pick is Tiger Woods. What what upsets me about this Sunday in the Super Bowl mm. is from what we know, the White House has not agreed. To the traditional, this is the big Super Bowl news, to the traditional pre-game presidential interview. Fox is carrying it, and for some reason the White House has not yet agreed to put the president on for an extensive interview with Fox. Come on, Jack. This is the Super Bowl. This is serious. No joke. Come on, pal. Come on, pal. You know the thing. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Tell me, tell me what world, world leader wouldn't want to t- t- do an interview before the name one. Just tell tell me which world he, leader wouldn't want to name he, name one. If if now this is the thing. <laughs> now you this uh, the State of the Union address was the second lowest State of the Union address audience ever. What was the first last year? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, by the way, it does it does um, uh, it does show uh, what we have said when it gets to a point where you know people turn you off. And I bet you, if you looked at the audience, you'd be surprised of the State of the Union address. It probably, for the most part, the majority were people that opposed the president. Uh, uh, I saw a break 
breakdown of that. I've got to go back. Uh, saw a breakdown of that. And it said, even though, uh, because it was talking about the ratings in general, it said uh, the people sampled for the viewership, uh, it was weighted about eight points heavy for Democrats. But overall, it seemed to be, and and I'll have to go. I'll have to go back. Actually, uh, yeah, I got to get that from Nielsen because I don't know if the final from Nielsen came out. I'm sure it has by now. But when I read that, I'm not sure if that was the final numbers from from Nielsen. But typically, so they they weighted it more towards Democrats. Well, they're just saying that uh, that uh, when they did that when they did a survey of uh, because the problem is is that Nielsen. Isn't I don't think is measuring every way to uh, to watch it. You can watch it on cable news. You can watch it on, of course, the networks. Uh, you can watch it on streaming and everything else. And I think they were trying to get the final numbers on the total. Right, but audience. when I say but, weighted, yeah. weighted means yeah, how at, many of that audience was yeah. And so my point is, is weighted that, means you're adding Democrats that actually aren't there. Well, that's what weighted means. Right. Yeah, in terms of the survey, when you call out the the respondents, were weighted heavier for Democrats because it's beyond okay. like the the old TV ratings. They also do call out research to find out who in a home might have watched it, oh, okay. but that call out research is almost like taking a poll and it weighted heavier for Democrats. So, are you saying it when you say weighted? Are you saying more Democrats watched or? They added the more response, Democrats that weren't there. The oh. response was okay. The response was weighted more Democrats. Okay, okay, was weighted okay. heavier for Democrats. That, okay, that makes that's the same. Yeah. That's the right. same kind of thing. Weighted right? Though. Yeah, because I know that some uh, you know we would you know in radio ratings mm-hmm. they used to actually weight them. They didn't exist, and they just said, "But we believe you know that this yeah. demographic right. had more. They're just not right. responding as much." Which mm-hmm. we always said, "Well, that's ridiculous. The ratings are the ratings. You know, right. if, if if you can't trust it, if you can't trust." you know, your uh, your polling system mm-hmm. than to just say, well, we're going to add over here. It To me, it just totally perverts when you do it. But uh, Well, and if you think about all the different ways you can watch now, we talked about this. Uh, you know, people seek out everything that they want to view, whether it's a, you know, 30-second TikTok clip or, you know, a, a two-hour movie or a 10-hour marathon of watching, you know, whatever TV show. And so... When it came, you know, back in the day when you only had three networks uh, or, you know, four with Fox, the addition of Fox in the late 80s, uh, then it pretty much, you know, was pretty much a takeover. Even though cable was around, it was a takeover of the networks. And that was, you know, significant because the networks were still dominating at that time in primetime television. And that was the idea, a state of the union primetime in order to get what was back then a captive audience these days it's not a captive audience you know it's uh you know people on their devices and everything else and the point is that they have to go out of their way people have to go out of their way to watch it they have to deliberately want to sit there in in front of it uh they have many choices uh aside from just turning it off where they can go spend their time doing whatever I guess my initial point was that there were there weren't a lot of people that watched it. Yeah, and, it was and, one of yeah. the most ever, and and this is an opportunity. If the president was confident in his message, right, 
he would have, I don't know, maybe twice the audience for the pregame show if it was close to kickoff. He could have 40, 50 million people watching. Mm-hmm. But of course, that's more of a captive audience in that. Yeah, they're there right. for something. But of course, right. but of course, uh, I would be very surprised if he did it unless he got an agreement from Fox that he can choose the questions for them. Yeah, right. But if he can't choose the questions, I doubt he will do it because they, his his handlers, and he has no confidence that he can answer questions uh, uh, correctly. And uh, he's been looking for a couple of, you know, softball. What Judy Woodruff, Woodruff whatever, of, of uh, PBS, she's yeah. horrible. I mean, yeah. you think about if there's any, if you ever want to see bias, my God, the softball questions that she asked the other day and the lack of follow-ups. Yeah. And the way right. that, and I like the way that she phrased one of the questions on, um, Oh, on, uh, you know, the Republicans investigating your family because of your political successes. Yeah, right. Yeah, she sets the tone first. I was like, because like, you're the greatest president ever, Republicans have unfairly attacked you. What do you think is behind yeah, that? So that was just, yeah. that was really interesting. So we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll tell you about the ex-FBI agent uh, that uh, says the FBI politically has been politically weaponized. Um, from the top, Chuck Grassley says whistleblowers say the FBI has evidence that Joe Biden was involved in his family uh, business schemes. Well, you don't even need that. We know he was. Yeah, we, know, we, we have that. Yeah, we, we pretty know, much have that evidence. We know he was. The only yeah. thing is, were there laws broken and what were those laws? We know right. he was involved right. in his family's business without even a whistleblower. Yeah. Uh, but, but if he says the FBI has evidence and more evidence and the scheme means uh, law breaking, right. well, then that is, that is, that is new news if that evidence exists out there. Uh, the uh, uh, GOP rep says officials don't know if China got info. New York mayor blasts liberals for still wanting to defund the police. The GOC Senate unveils a border security bill. Won't go anywhere. Uh, so far, Biden hasn't agreed to the traditional, as we just told you, pre-Super Bowl interview. The debt, both sides in denial. Manchin is upset about how the White House is moving along on climate change crap that he voted for. Uh-huh. The death of Burt uh, Bacharach yesterday yeah. and, and uh, you know, one yeah. of the greatest songwriters. You think about it, the songs that he wrote weren't the songs that I was buying as a kid, but they were playing everywhere. And when I hear them today, yeah, uh, it's my life as a kid. Those songs were yeah, right. everywhere. You know, raindrops keep falling on my head. Uh, Dionne Warwick, I say a little prayer for you. Those those songs come up, and I can tell you exactly. It takes me back to an exact moment of my childhood. I uh, We did an appearance with B.J. Thomas one time, uh, and I was talking about an interview I'd seen with him and, and the arrangement of raindrops keep falling on my head. And there's a note at the end of that song that he does it's a it's what's called a trill and i i would say bj thomas is was one of those singers he's probably the only guy that could have pulled off the execution of that line which is the last line of the song and carried it through that trill uh in unique fashion and it was and bert Bacharach, i was told basically wrote it that way for him to perform it exactly that way 
that one note that you know that trill and that's mm-hmm. sometimes an artist will add that you know in the studio and they just kind of do that naturally but Bert Bacharach just had that I mean he just it wasn't just writing you know the lyrics it was the arrangement it was you know how it was supposed to be executed when it was recorded all of those things and you know there's been a long time the the stories are infamous about how much of a perfectionist he was but i would say i would argue my gosh if you're gonna you know create if, if you're the artist that's creating the songs right you're that's your creation you want that done properly when you see the number of songs that he was involved in it is absolutely mind-boggling crazy isn't it and austin powers yes yes <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was great right I mean, well, he, he did stuff with Elvis Costello, and yeah. I mean, he just he went along. But but when you just see the number of songs, and I know as I get older, this is something that didn't happen to me, and really till I hit sixty, mm-hmm. around sixty, where all the pop songs that I grew up with, that I really not that I bought their records at the time, but the radio, they were just, they were everywhere. They, they were just everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, I have a total new appreciation for them and yeah. music now. Music that I didn't even, a lot of the pop stuff, and, you know, that, Bert is included in all of, of, of that, that I hear it, and I flash back immediately to a memory of my youth, and it's the most enjoyable thing ever. Yeah. yeah and I can listen yeah. to the entire song, and I can actually go back and go, okay, uh, let me go and put uh, just a, a whole 60s mix on, or a 70s mix on, or late 60s, early 70s mix and I enjoy it all, and it really hasn't been the music I've been listening to for over the last forty years. Well, no, I and mean, I find that wonderful. I, you know, one one moment I'm listening to Tool, and then all of a sudden a song like that from, <laughs> a, you know, that was a radio song right. that again, you know, it was everywhere when you were a kid. All of a sudden, it appeals to you in a new way. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah, it's, uh, so sad, but what a great songwriter. Yeah, eight six six ninety Red Eye. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing, which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies and offers benefits like improved fuel economy, increased tire life, and reduced vibration. Unusual shaking in the seat, cab, or steering wheel is a warning sign your tires might need to be balanced. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Hey drivers, Eric Harley here. Today I want to talk to you about CatScale. Most of you have heard about CatScale's guarantee, but did you realize they guarantee axle weights and the gross weight? That's right. If you weigh legal on a CatScale and then get an overweight citation, CatScale will pay you back for the fine or go to court with you. Now that's a guarantee. Besides the guarantee, the people at Catscale have been working on some other things to make life easier for you. Many of you are already using their Weigh My Truck app to weigh your loads. Super easy, right? For you drivers out there who aren't, 
Let me tell you, download this app. It's a huge time saver. Simply set up an account at waymytruck.com or ask your company to do it, and then you just pull on the scale, open the app, follow the screens, and within a matter of seconds, you are weighed, and you'll see your weights right there on your phone or tablet. That's it. You're done. You'll also get a locked PDF copy of the scale ticket emailed to you. Weighing doesn't get any easier than that. If you want to know more about the Way My Truck app, go to waymytruck.com or give Catscale a call, 877-CATSCALE. Their help desk is always open. Hey, try that radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, uh, if... Uh, you would like to get in. Coming up following uh, the bottom of uh, the hour, another AOC uh, racism update Okay, uh, that, All uh, right. that you'll okay. want to hear. It's something that we, in, in fact, there's a, a new part of it, but then there's uh, another part of it that we brought up at the end of the show, I think, on Wednesday. And I just would like to do it here at the bottom of the hour because it's really sort of a conclusion to something that you and I have talked about over the years uh, about voting and racism. Yeah, and and right. the studies that have come out, for example, on on uh, on Georgia and photo photo ID, uh, you know, voter photo ID and everything else, mm. where the Democrats have lied in order to create racial tension and racial hatred, and it's yeah. reprehensible what they've done. And we did it at the last hour of the show the other day, and it's just so important to bring it up because I think when we talk about racism, you know, it's something I don't I don't take it lightly saying somebody is a race baiter. Right, I don't like right. calling somebody a right. racist. I don't, we will never do what Democrats do, which is call somebody a racist and never explain specifically why. Right, right. We think that's wrong to do. So we'll get to that and more. We'll hear that uh, the, some of the testimony from the uh, FBI agent yesterday mm. as the Republicans begin their weaponization of government hearings and a whole bunch more. Great show ahead. The Bonus Show. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. When I saw this story yesterday, I went, okay, this relates to something that we did earlier this week. Yeah. And uh, this uh, headline here, AOC says GOP reviving legacy of slavery by ending non-citizen voting rights in District of Columbia, which, of course, is ridiculous. Yeah, right. To compare slavery to non-citizens voting is insane. Yeah, but it is the just the continuation. It's like, oh, okay. Notice what was missing in the State of the Union address this week. Nothing on voting rights. Nothing on voter ID. Nothing on the Georgia election law yeah. Yeah. that has dropped completely. The- you made that point. I didn't hear anybody making that point. Uh, the in the hours after the State of the Union. You said that pretty early on. I didn't see anybody making that point uh, for it was, I don't know, that probably was uh, maybe yesterday morning, Thursday morning before I saw anybody else making that point that they've kind of moved on from that issue. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, uh, you know, her district, 
think about this. Now, she's talking about, you know, uh, D.C. and and all of this. But in her district, what are they dealing with? Where they're dealing with plane loads and bus loads of uh, immigrants coming into the city. And Eric Adams talking about how they can't handle it. And he's upset because they need money to take care of it. And she's talking about voting rights for immigrants and, and non-citizens to be here I'm not sure that that flies with the people, and I, I would love to see the the uh, the 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 numbers on that, the research in on DC? that, to see what they actually think. Because again, I know she's talking, not talking about her district here, but certainly when you say something like that, you're talking about voting rights. If you believe in that, you believe in that for every area, right? But I believe it was New York State. Uh, and their Supreme Court that came out. Remember when, forgot which city it was, it said they wanted to have non-citizens vote. Right. And the Supreme Court came out and said, nope, against the Constitution of New York State. Right, right. And, you know, they didn't care. So, I mean, that's in her own state. But it's the fact of using racism, using slavery, for example. Yeah, right. Ma- yeah. Making yeah. absurd comparisons, yeah. but making absurd comparisons on race in order to your goal is when you do that to make people hate each other mm-hmm. to create anger and rage based on skin color right that's what you're doing and that's what and i think it's it's very important to do it because it has become a policy it is standard of the democratic party to on any issue to claim that it's racism on the other side mm. Without ever explaining why it is racism, we won't do that. We'll no. explain specifically why the mainstream of the Democratic Party are race baiters and do what leaders of the KKK used to do and what leaders of white supremacist groups do. And that is tell a lie about race in order to create racial division and racial hatred. And we've been on this for a long, long time, first on voter ID and then the Georgia election law, where the president said it is Jim Crow 2.0, which means the Jim Crow laws, which actually were discrimination against blacks, separating whites and blacks in the South, where only whites could be in certain areas, and blacks weren't allowed in those particular areas, whether it was a lunch counter or drinking fountains Mm -hmm. or whatever, and trying to make the comparison that the Georgia election law somehow was Jim Crow 2.0, which was an absurd, a bizarre comparison, completely a lie. But we all remember what happened at that point. And we as conservatives can't let these things go by. No. We can't let, and and sometimes, I think a lot of times we do. There isn't a, look, we need to pound on this over and over and over again. The fact that Biden, Pelosi, Schumer acted like leaders of the KKK and white supremacy groups by telling lies on race in order to cause racial division and racial hatred, to make people hate each other because of the color of their skin. And so we had uh, talked about a couple of weeks ago, and then Wall Street Journal had it out, uh, a, a couple of studies 
And the Wall Street Journal actually put out the new study that came out on Monday. Mm. And these this came out from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences on voter ID. And they said uh, they came at the question from a slightly different angle and said in there, and of course, the National Academy of Sciences is not a conservative organization. Right, right. Uh, existing research focuses on how voter ID laws affect voter turnout and fraud, said the two authors who are political scientists at Notre Dame. Uh, quote, but to the, but the extent of which they produce observable electoral benefits for Republican candidates and or penalize Democrats remains an open question because they couldn't find any evidence. In fact, here's the evidence that they found. After examining state and federal elections from 2003 to 2020, the first laws implemented on voter ID produced a Democratic advantage. Hmm. Which weakened to near zero after 2012. But from 2003 to 2012, it was a Democrat advantage that was created from voter ID laws. We conclude that voter ID requirements motivate and mobilize supporters of both parties, ultimately mitigating their anticipated effects on election results. And as the Wall Street Journal writes, the lack of suppressive outcome explains why requiring photo ID to vote is favored by 77% of blacks and 80% of whites. To quote Gallup's poll from last year. Mm. And then we know, and this came out here in the last month, the University of Georgia's 2022 Post-election survey and asked to rate their personal experience voting in Georgia. 72% of black residents said excellent. Uh, 72.7% of whites said excellent. 23.6% of blacks said it was good. 23.3% of whites said it was good. 3.3% of blacks said their election experience was fair. 3% of whites said it was fair. And when it came to rating their personal voting experience, when it came to poor, how many blacks said their voting experience was poor? 0%. 0. As opposed to whites that it was 0.9 of 1% who said it was poor. Mm. So there you go. And and so it's important to understand the law, the Georgia election law was never racist in any way. It had nothing to do with Jim Crow laws. No. And the president of the United States acted like a leader of the KKK or a white supremacy group lied about it in order to create racial divisiveness and hatred based on a lie. Stacey Abrams lied about it. Yep. Schumer lied about it. Pelosi lied about it. I don't know one Democrat who stood up and said, one national Democrat who stood up and said, stop it, it's not Jim Crow. 
stop it, it's not racist. It is mainstream in the Democratic Party today to lie, to create racial lies. Number one, they call the opposition racist Mm -hmm. when they're the ones who act like leaders of the KKK and white supremacist groups and lie to people in order to cause racial division and racial hatred. And it's all based on a lie. And now Democrats are okay with doing business in Georgia all of a sudden. Well, that was brought up the other day that all of a sudden Democrats want the, and and the law hasn't changed at all. The law is still the same. And now Democrats are pushing for the Democratic National Convention in 2024 to be held in Atlanta after Major League Baseball. And think about this too. Major League Baseball responded and enabled the tactics of the KKK and white supremacy groups and moved the Major League Baseball All-Star game from Georgia to Arizona based on a lie. They could do, they could have done simple checking and found out, but no, Major League Baseball enabled KKK and white supremacy type of lies that cause racial division and they're moving to a lot of people justified what Biden and the Democrats were saying. Mm -hmm. They enabled hate. Tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we're wrong. You can't. And even after losing in Georgia, think about that, even though uh, Warnock won, Abrams didn't. Think about that. Yep. And typically, what would you hear? See, while it may have worked for Republicans are so bad, Warnock was still able to win. But Stacey Abrams was not. And why is that? Because of voter suppression. We told you this was racism. No, instead, officially, their party's okay with doing business in Georgia. Yeah, exactly. It was all a lie. It was all a lie to create hate. Creating hate based on a lie is mainstream of the Democratic Party. I dare any Democrat to tell us where we're wrong on any of this. You can't. Your party is the party of creating hatred based on a lie. How what? How reprehensible, how disgusting has the Democratic Party become here in the United States? You know, a couple of things that that are very clear with the Democratic Party these days, and that is that they don't want people getting along. No, they don't. When when they saw that, the more they saw that, the more they were like, "Okay, wait a minute. We've lost control. We've we can't. How can we have a crisis if people are getting along in their day to day lives? Well, you can't. It's just like we were talking yesterday with the, um, uh, you know, uh, going after anybody who's, you know, working in the gig economy. Well, what is the gig economy? You're actually becoming a contractor. States like California hate that. Why is that? Because when you become a business owner, you think differently about how the government, government behaves. Whether it's the state or the federal government, you think differently. The Democrats can't have people getting along. They can't have them making decisions for themselves by creating a business, any kind of independent 
spirit like that must be ended. And how do you end it quickly? Instilling fear in people. That's their attempt over and over again. Make people fearful of each other. 86690 Red Eye. Lines open for your calls. 86690 Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlton. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. And since we, you know, we had uh, mentioned uh, the Super Bowl before and, and just uh, race baiting, uh, LeBron James this week breaking the, uh, the, uh, the record. Yeah. I, I really, I really don't care. It's a, look, sports, you know, it's, he's, he shoots a ball into a basket. All right. And I love right, basketball. Right. Basketball sure. is a sport I played more than anything my entire life. Mm-hmm. I love basketball. Could care less that LeBron James did it. He's another race baiter. He lied about the police. Uh, consistently was all part, was part of the Black Lives Matter movement. The NBA was. They enabled a lie, a lie that was created again to cause racial division and racial hatred. But the worst thing he did in all of that was what he did, uh, in, uh, in Wisconsin. Yeah. Right. When he didn't know, we didn't know what happened with those two cops. Right. We didn't know what happened. The cops were completely and totally exonerated, and he was railing about it. The riots happened. He helped inflame the racial hatred that happened in Wisconsin based on a lie. And with that kind of influence, think about that. Yep. That's even greater. I think in some ways it's a greater, more effective influence when you have somebody who is a a so-called sports hero. I think it's probably more effective for a lot of people than a lawmaker saying it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think because, so, too. Because yes. you're reaching more people on a yep. different emotional level. Yes. And I think that's especially dangerous and completely reprehensible to do. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we're Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. And thank you. So there I was just, you know, doing the normal reading yesterday and I went, oh... Oh, all right. The sickness that I had over the weekend and through the first part of this week has been recognized. There it is. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is warning Americans about widespread outbreaks across the country of basically an intestinal virus caused by the norovirus infection, prompting days of vomiting, diarrhea, and fever in children and adults 
which, uh, especially if you're, you know, immune compromised, could lead to serious consequences, death, if not uh, treated. 30% increase over last year. 225 outbreaks across the country between August 1st and January 8th. So are they suggest, uh, are they suggesting masks? And, and where would you, where would you wear the mask? <laughs> well, probably glove. They say it's past, you know, where it's past the most mm. bathrooms, touching hands, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Is where it comes from. Yeah. Uh, 20 million cases right now. Wow. This year. Mm. 20 million cases, 109,000 hospitalizations, 900 deaths. Wow. So, um, so there you go. Um, well, you know, you think about something and, and I don't know, all of our lives we've been dealing uh, since the beginning of time, uh, stomach bugs, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're, if, if you have limited mobility, as you mentioned, people who are immune compromised, uh, and people with limited mobility, your ability to treat even at home with remedies, you know, is, is limited. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to be severely de- dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have that underlying ailment, it could, uh, there could be medications or something else that are not effective that you're taking daily that are not effective in this case. And that could, that could compromise, uh, you and your health. It becomes very serious very quickly. Well, yeah. And there is, there's nothing that they can do. Yeah, for, right, for these noroviruses, right, right, right. there is there is no cure. There isn't no. you know, going to the doctor no. and saying, "Okay, it's time." We're, we're going to give you, uh, you know, something that, for example, you might give for the flu. Yeah, that right. might shorten the yeah. duration or whatever. There is there's nothing for it. And again, uh, I, I would say this, you know, for the th- the throwing up part, that was the worst I, I think I've ever had mm. in my life. Now I, it's like <laughs> I like to do the old. Seinfeld thing. I don't know if you remember the Seinfeld where he had a non-vomit streak of like 17 years. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know how long, I don't know how long mine was, but it was a long, it was a long time. And they talk about how quickly it comes upon you. Now, Alan got it. I think you had a slight, you believe you had a slight case of it. I had a fever. My stomach just got to the point of uh, no appetite, but I didn't eat. And that was the thing is that I yeah. didn't, I mean, and I, Typically, there and that can happen with me. Uh, I can go twenty four hours without eating any food, uh, depending on how busy the uh, schedule is, and and we've had a lot of things going on uh, in our on our personal uh, schedule, and it just so happened that I had not eaten, and then late in the day, I started running a fever. The fever uh, went away. I didn't have to take anything for it, and it didn't really break. In the way that fevers break, it just kind of subsided, just went away. And I felt better. But I'll tell you, Sunday, I felt sore, achy, kind of just like um, that's part of it, yeah. arthritic kind of, mm-hmm. you know, feel. And, uh, but uh, thankfully, I didn't get the worst of it. Uh, the classic symptoms, just in case, you know, you, because it, this thing, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, I was, it was Saturday when I woke up. Saturday morning, I was fine. Everything was fine. Ate something, had an appetite. Yeah. And all of a sudden, within an hour, 
I was like, I just really tired and I feel like I've nausea. I'm going to go to sleep this Saturday afternoon. Oh my. Oh, the, uh, the next, mm. the next six, seven hours was, was not. And, and they say, you know, the, the, the symptoms of like throwing up and all that stuff, the intestinal everything, yeah. uh, goes through yeah. quick. And well, that's because everything's gone. You have nothing left in your system. It's everything. I think I, I might have lost 10 pounds. <laughs> Yeah. So, but the they vomiting, nausea, diarrhea, abdominal cramps, also fever, headache, body aches, mm. and so they say the symptoms are uncomfortable but manageable, and they are. I mean, it it is, but uh, uh, however, infants, the elderly, uh, if you're immune compromised, individuals face a higher risk of di- dehydration and other complications stemming from prolonged symptoms that should be monitored. One of the things that you know, I know in the past, again, I don't get sick too often, but when I have, especially if they're throwing up. If I put down water, you throw it right back up again. Yeah. You know? And so I didn't for a couple of hours, and I started drinking water. I'm like, oh, okay. But it, it went it went real quick. But I was tired. I didn't fully recover, I think, till yesterday. I was just mm. exhausted. I have slept more yeah. this week yeah. than you can – than, than you, to, to the point where I come in on the show, and I'm like, what did I – did I miss something? Because I've been sleeping so much. Did I, did I miss something in the news? Did I not do my normal – uh, did I, did I not do my normal reading or research or whatever? Because it was, uh, it was, uh, it was bad. So just wanted to let people know that there is actually something out there that is, uh, spreading at a, a great, uh, yeah, a, a deal quicker than it has an, or more, I guess it's more widespread. The other thing is mm. I got it, but they say the immune, the immunity, once you get it is extremely short. So I can get the same thing in two weeks, but as soon as, the weather's mm. getting nicer here. You'll be outdoors, you know, a lot more. And so they said as soon as it, you know, as soon as people start going outdoors, this thing sort of yeah, dissipates. Right. But it's like, it's bad. I mean, it's just like. Well, well, it's, you know, it's the thing is, is it's one, it's kind of, it's one of the worst types of viruses to get for number one, the obvious reasons. Uh, and number two, um, yeah, symptomatically, it's horrible. But number two, you really can't tell. You know, if someone's coughing, you know, especially post-COVID, but if somebody's coughing, you're like, okay. Uh, We were at a gathering just the other day, and we were sitting close to people we didn't know, and and it was and and they were coughing. I was like, okay, we might want to move, and you have that that kind of heads up, right? Well, with this, you. You really don't. If that person is carrying that virus, you know, it's with a stomach virus, it's like it hits and nothing you can do about it. It, when it hits, it hits. I thought it was food poisoning. Yeah. It was so bad. Yeah. And, and, and and so everything that I'd eaten like three days before, if I'd Mm. taken out a particular package or something, I threw that all out. Yeah. On Sunday. And yeah, I do the same thing. And so when I came in here, Mm. I started telling Alan about it and Alan, said i had this exact same thing yeah and i'm like oh, yeah yeah he, he was like about you know 18 hours ahead of me though on the entire cycle i go well did you have this this yeah yeah I'm like, okay wasn't food poisoning then we figured at that point it was a virus and then i was just reading the new york times yesterday and you know trying to find out you know about madonna's face <laughs> i mean i mean uh, the hunter biden laptop story yeah. and yeah. uh there's the article right there so yeah I'm like, oh wow okay makes me 
it makes you feel better. You go, okay, this thing's been recognized out there. What did I actually have? And so uh, if you end up well, that's the thing it, because it, it really does uh, symptomatically it mimics food poisoning, and and you you think about it and it's how many different ways to get food poisoning. You think okay, lunch meat mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. a fish or something that you ate from a restaurant or a number of things, and then you're like okay, uh, I'll th- I'll throw out this lunch meat. Well, it also could be the the salad that you bought in a bag or a number of things that have, uh, you know, the, uh, plant nutrition that has had, has been tainted over the years. So it's honestly in a society where others were in, in the supply chain of food, where so many hands touch that food, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's kind of going to be hit and miss except for the food that is uh, properly cooked, which can kill the, any kind of contaminants. But, that's the worst. I, I, we had a doctor, and this was interesting. My wife had food poisoning. goes back a few years, and it was bad. And she went to a clinic, and the doctor told her, it was a walk-in clinic, and the doctor said, drink soda. Now, you should see a doctor if you have symptoms. I'm not a doctor, and I don't play one on the radio. But the reason it's interesting is because my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, said that and she kept a two-liter bottle of Coca-Cola. They never drank Coca-Cola. Uh, this is Texas. They drank iced tea. <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, midnight snack, iced tea. But No sugar. Yeah. Uh, Unsweetened. Yeah, well, it's Texas. So there's the, it's like the, it's like the, uh, uh, the, the chili with beans, no beans. Uh, thing it's like sweet tea is like in some restaurants you order it it's gonna be sweet uh but yeah uh, i'm with you on that um and she kept a two liter bottle of coca-cola my grandmother did um it's a town of less than 300 people so you know she would kind of stock up because my uh grandfather um would if he got a stomach bug or food poisoning uh their doctor was telling them drink because it kills all of the bacteria now the problem with that is it kills good bacteria too um but they they were told years ago and i was like i wonder if that's true and then that doctor a few years ago told my wife no drink soda mm-hmm. it will and and it will i kill it. and i did well, because when you when you get this like i said the symptoms i mean every I'll be very delicate here. Within about six hours, everything is out of your system Mm -hmm. from everywhere. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's, it's, and so, but you're not, you're thinking that there is no more work to be done. Yes. It's (laughs) like, there's nothing else left in my body. Yes. And, and so, uh, and that happened because it it was about three 30 Saturday afternoon. I was done, uh, let me see. Most of it was done about by 10 o'clock and yeah. I wanted to drink some water and I was afraid to do it because I, d- I didn't want to start right. throwing up again. Right. Yeah. I mean, my, my rib cage hurt for four days. Right. Yeah. You know, just because I was, it, it was such a intense, mm-hmm. you know, vomiting. It was just unbelievable. But, um, uh, I did not have, my appetite did not come back fully till yesterday. 
That's and, funny. And, and, I was going to so, say that I I have not had an appetite this week up until yesterday. Yeah, and it, you know I don't know if I had that same bug, but it was right in line yeah. with when you know I was having I was having some symptoms when you and Alan were going through what you were going through, and and the nausea feeling lasted about three three and a half days. Mm. Yeah. Not to the throw up, but just the the nausea, the the feeling of nausea. I I had that especially uh, Tuesday night after the State of the Union. I had that. Well, nausea. that had nothing to do with the virus. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. It's totally different cause <laughs> and so, a different remedy too. So ju- just if you get it, at least you know what it is. And the stories in the New York uh, yeah. Post of the. Uh, all right, uh, norovirus, right. and uh, yeah, and it's just so people know. It's uh, just so you know. I just figured I'd yeah. get out the information for you. Keep that um, alcohol gel handy. Yes, wash your hands. Don't touch your eyes, and don't stand too close to the ground. Wrap yourself in cellophane. <laughs> exactly. Eight six six ninety red eye. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen personalized saving it's Red Eye Radio he's Eric Carney and I'm Gary McNamara 86690 uh, Red Eye I s- saw this article yesterday and I went huh? U.S. Oil and Gas Association President Tim Stewart said Wednesday that President Biden underestimated in his State of the Union address just how long the U.S. will continue to need fossil fuel. Uh, Biden said the country will need fossil fuels for at least another decade. The comment appears to have been ad lib because it is not included in the official White House transcript. Mm. Said Stewart, uh, we're going to need it for 30, 40, or 50 years. We're going to need it more than 50 years from now. Yes, we will. We're going to be using fossil fuels for yes. the next we're, well, we're going to be using we're, we're going to be using oil, even if it's not in our vehicles. We're going to be using a significant portion of oil just for other products that we make, right? And for you know, unless we get to completely, totally uh, synthetic lubrication, mm-hmm. uh, which you still have to get all that stuff from somewhere. Also, by the way, it mm-hmm. just doesn't appear magically. Um, you know, you're you're going to need it. For the next hundred years, I don't know, and I hope that it'd be great. It'd be great if we got the technology. For example, if you got fusion, well, then you may need a lot less energy, and uh, you know. But fusion still isn't going to solve the problems of batteries and cars, right? Even if you get, and fusion is where you get the nuclear reaction, where it you know you very little waste comes out, uh, extremely. Small little waste comes out of it. It's not as dangerous. And uh, it just, you know, the, uh, was that in December or January when the whole fusion fusion thing came out? Well, the, the problem with that fusion story, by the way, uh, 60 mm-hmm. Minutes actually did a piece on this. And they didn't tell the entire story. You know, the return of energy units in versus energy units out in order to create the initial ignition it required a great deal more than they were talking about. But, yeah, if, you know, the uh, the way they phrased it, I think, at the end of that story was that now fusion isn't about whether it can happen or not. It's an engineering problem. It's basically now you've got to go in and if you can figure out the engineering of how to make that happen repeatedly and be able to do that efficiently and, and repeatedly, that would be the future. But we're, I don't know, we're, we're light years from that. A hundred years? Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to guess, um, you know, and but it's, you know, this <laughs> look nothing. Nothing has changed really in the last fifty years. Well, you go from 1970 to now, right? When it comes to energy storage and what we can do, nothing's really changed. Well, and and here's the thing is that, and we pointed this out that the transitions before i forget the article that we brought up but the transitions that we have made before with energy were about finding a more plentiful efficient and cheaper right. source each time 
you're looking to get better, right? You're you're, and, be, you're more efficient and productive. Right. And in this case, they're looking to do it politically right? because they want to tell you uh, that the world is going to end by 2035 and that if we don't do this, uh, only they can save the planet, by the way, through legislation. And if we don't do this, the world will end. Well, that's not how you do a transition, typically. And that's what makes this so problematic. Join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. By the way, I'm glad you clarified when I said, look, nothing has changed. Uh, n- nothing has changed over the last 50 years. Things have changed. But when I, and by the way, we're talking about the head of the, uh, the top oil and uh, gas industry voice who fact-checked Biden and said, U.S., we're going to need... We're going to need oil and natural gas and fossil fuels for, he said, uh, 30, 40, 50 years. And they put on there, the headline is, U.S. needs fossil fuels for 30 to 50 years. We're going to need it for over 100 years. Yeah. It's not going right. anywhere. And I've said, yeah. when I say nothing has changed, I don't mean nothing has changed. Of course, things have changed. We have more electric cars on the road. Right. Uh, you know, battery development, lithium ion batteries. I mean, mm-hmm. of course they've improved. Sure. I have, you know, I've, I've, I've got some for some of my garden lights, mm. you know, I mean, the, the, or the rechargeable batteries or, you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, my, my cell phone chart or my, my cell phone batteries. My attic vents are, uh, right. half of them, well, half of the house coverage right. are solar. Right. So, yeah. but, but when I say nothing has changed, I mean overall, and I'm glad you said that, where you said it's not about the fact that things are changing. It's why are they changing? Right. That energy right. development in this country until now has only happened because the energy source became more pro- uh, efficient and productive, which means more people could afford it. The right. exact opposite right. is happening here, right. where this is government-driven, based on paranoia. Yeah, and and so, but the actual where we would be right now if it wasn't for government intervention, you probably would see very few electric vehicles on the road. You would see, for example, the lithium-ion battery I have, which is great for charging my phone five hundred times. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, you know, you would you would see the. Um, uh, the uh, the now the uh, power supplies that, that that exist that people are using instead of getting maybe a you know gasoline generator mm. they'll sit there and they'll go out and say okay I can get a lithium ion battery system that uh, can keep my house going you know a big one can keep my house going for ten hours or two hours or three hours or what I need done those advancements have been made but not where you're changing the basic energy that. We are using overall. And even with that technology, that isn't so much about being prepared for the ultimate disaster uh, as it is about being like mobile, right? Uh, with right. those, um, even the ones that have uh, the solar charges, 
that come with them, the generators that, yeah. that have that. The EcoFlows. Uh, yeah, and, and, so, and they're all great, but yeah. they're, they're designed for people who are looking for something different out of that kind of generator or out of any generator. Uh, those who are looking for a backup to their home uh, or RV or whatever it might be, uh, look for, again, they're looking for a different reason, but their motivation is to have something uh, where they would have a, a fuel, they could have a stock fuel or an inline fuel. Uh, they could have it where it was a, a, a flex fuel, either war, dual uh, uh, fuel and, and power source. And that is, you know, the the difference in, if you think about it, the technology or the, the difference in the transition that the that the political uh, uh, portion of our society wants you to make and what we have done as a society in order to improve our lives uh, up to this point. Those transitions were there when, you know, when we're, when we're even the transition in how we go after natural gas and oil. You know, when you talk about the, uh, uh, the, the, the horizontal drilling and, you know, and everything else, uh, that is, that has been in play, the technology that has evolved. It was about becoming more efficient, even if we weren't changing the, the, the source, uh, or, or the product that we were going to get. Um, you look at emissions and how emissions has changed. Uh, there were, there were a number of emission standards that, uh, that, and they've been in play for decades, uh, that have rolled out over the years. And, and that's one thing. There, you look at particulate matter, and you and I have talked about this to no end, um, over the years, but it, but we look at that and say, okay, we don't want a bunch of black smoke in the air. All right. We get it. Right. Um, it's different when you say, well, the earth is going to end. And so everybody needs to have a, an electric car. The earth is going to end if we don't get off natural gas. The earth is going to end. And, and they use the same scare tactic on, on natural gas in your home. Look, you could be getting sick from the natural gas in your home. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Are your children safe with your natural gas cooktop? These are things that, you know, again, over and over the tactic is different. Uh, or is 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 fear in order to bring about the same emotion and and a change to a a different uh you know source of energy to drive something where there is no demand to drive it think about this you just pointed out without government involvement what would the actual demand of EVs be where would we be right now tesla wouldn't likely wouldn't exist Right, if subsidies didn't exist at all from the government. Right, with no government right. involvement, we're right. talking about uh, pure demand, supply and demand. Ex- you'd, you'd have experimental vehicles that were out there. Right. You'd, you'd have the, you'd, you might have some, eh, you probably wouldn't have a lot of investment from the car companies in it. The car companies are investing because of, of uh, government mandates. If they, so car if, companies exactly. might not uh, at all. And, and that's why you look at the, like the, uh, the, the average fuel standard for a fleet for an OEM, right? This mm-hmm. is what it's built on. Well, gosh, we can make the Prius over here. And the Prius for Toyota wasn't making a dime of profit, but the Tundra was. 
And that's how they even it out, right? That was without the mandate. What would drive the technology? Without the mandate, what would what would the demand be? There is the no, natural demand be. There, there it, is no demand. It wouldn't be affordable. Right. It just simply wouldn't. And by the way, it's part of the reason that uh, 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 trucks and SUVs right now are going through the roof is because the OEMs have to afford the technology uh, of of the latest innovation to meet the upcoming mandates in terms of the fuel mileage for fleets, their entire fleet, uh, which is all the vehicles that they make and offer to the public. You can't, without the mandates, no one's going to pay $120,000, you know, for a an electric vehicle, unless, again, they're just trying to show it off or you're trying to Ed Begley your way through life. You know, look, by the way, one of the new things is, and it has been a trend for several years. The e-bikes, the electric bikes, mm-hmm. like you know, you can pedal. <laughs> you know, you know. There is. I saw a guy on YouTube that, that modified his, and he goes really fast. Uh, and and I'm I'm thinking to myself, okay, but aren't you looking for a motorcycle? You know what I mean. I mean, a scooter or something. I mean, you're, that's it's a different thing. Well, I just you want to look like you're mountain biking. You want to look like you're healthy, but you're you're just cruising on a well scaled down motorcycle, electric motorcycle. But still, you can still you could. There is a commercial market for those. That's limited, that's something lim, limited use. And and I would e-bikes. say right. Yeah, yeah, and I would say for on the e bike uh, front, in, in in all seriousness. Uh, there are people, lots of people, who would love to go out on the trail. Maybe their their you know their their spouse or significant other uh, goes out and does a lot of mountain biking, but uh, physically, for whatever reason, they're not capable of doing that kind of you know terrain or whatever else. And then they can take it out there and they can you know they can use that. That's awesome. And you're right. There is a natural demand for it. It's all <laughs> I always scratch my head at it, but uh, it's ultimately. What do you look at for energy? You look at where is the demand? The demand will always be for cheap, plentiful energy. And when we talk about a grid, I mean, the the most perfect example of everything we're talking about is days after California announces their 2035 mandate that as of 2035, all new cars sold in that state in California have to be EVs. Days after announcing that, don't charge your EV between 2 and 6 p.m. today. And the backlash on that got so great they had to go out and buy energy from another co-op mm-hmm. to make sure that it was going to hold. There's no way we get there by 2035, no. mandate or not. No. Does the technology exist for building the cars, yeah. Does the material? No. 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 And, and that's the other thing, too. The materials don't exist, you know, uh, and, and you can't manufacture and mine them enough for the demand, even if it's 50 years from now. Right. It just it doesn't exist. It's not there. And, and then uh, U.S. Oil and Gas uh, Association President Tim Stewart also said that even Biden's own energy department 
has made projections of fossil fuel investment and requirements well past 2050, Stewart said. So uh, Biden made the comment in an apparent attempt to calm industry fears that he's going to shut down all the country's oil wells and refineries and to cajole producers to invest in an industry that appears to be dying. The comment elicited laughter from Democrats and Republicans gathered in the House of uh, of, of uh, the House for uh, uh, Chamber for Biden's speech. "Quote: I think the reaction from both sides of the aisle are it caught everybody off guard," Stewart said, and it was really one of those funny, funny, unscripted uh, moments. The Democratic president needs to improve his messaging to the industry. You cannot beat us. You cannot beat us up for high energy prices. And a slow investment rollout when you are telling us you're going to make it go away in 10 years. That's the other thing, too. When the, when mm, Biden said yeah. that, when he said, oh, no, you need to invest. We're, and, and we're still going to need it for the next 10 years. Uh-huh. Nobody's going to do major capital investment if you're telling them they're dead in 10 years. Biden didn't even know what he was saying at that point. Well, no, that's a great point in that, you know, these companies, we've talked about how the leases work. They know that politically the back and forth on on federal leases is too great. You're going to go in and you're going to invest on that lease. And then by the time you believe you're going to get your yield, you're doing the math going, well, uh, the opposition comes in, changes all the rules, and we're dead in the water. We spent all that money developing on that lease, and now we can't actually bring about any and produce anything because it's going to be shut down. They're much better uh, to uh, go the private land route or deal with the states. And and that's the problem that we have. Is the, And the rest of the world looks at us and says, what are you guys doing? Now, Europe is even turning around going, uh, yeah, we're going to need more coal. We're going to need more traditional forms of energy. We can't actually get this done. And it's insane right now what's going on in in the UK and in Europe, uh, it's in the U.S. In, in the U.S., <laughs> but they have been for years looking at us, going, "You guys have so much, so much in the ground available to you, but policy-wise, you just refuse to go get it." That's insane. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Join the conversation using the Shell Rotella hotline, 866-907-3339. Red Eye Radio at Shell Rotella. What matters is inside. If you drive a big rig, you know that more time on the road means more money in your pocket. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running and save you money in the long run. Trade up to Shell Rotella and you'll get superior protection. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Coming up, following the top of uh, the uh, the the hour, just you know, you would mention about uh, stuff in Europe and uh, article out there that I that about uh, Germany, yeah, and uh, right. e- because they're getting rid of the subsidies, right? And that's the thing because you've got governments now looking at budgets and saying we can't afford to do this anymore. Right. Interest rates are going up, which means even if you don't cut. Because you've got to pay the interest on your debt, whether it's in Europe or the United States, you're going to have to cut anyway. 
a lot of these subsidies are the first things that are going. You've even seen in the United States the wanting to roll back on subsidies for uh, electric vehicles. As soon as you do that, the numbers go down. Right. Because people don't want to pay the full price. So we'll get to that. Plus, just the, uh, uh, I'm just reading this here, Morning Joe trashes GOP over Twitter bias hearing. Nobody cares about Hunter's laptop. Uh Uh-huh. Actually, they do. But when you just say Hunter's laptop, that's not what they care about. Right. What they care about is the information in Hunter's laptop relating to the president of the United States being involved in his family's business of influence peddling with foreign governments. Some of those foreign governments who are not friendly to the United States. That Americans care about. Yes. So we'll get to that, plus uh, some of the uh, audio from the FBI agent uh, who uh, testified yesterday at the uh, weaponization, government weaponization hearing that the Republicans are holding. All Democrats are doing with all these hearings are saying, everything means nothing. This means nothing. You're wasting our time. Nobody will actually address the specifics of what's going on. Right. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning and welcome. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and if you can't listen live overnight, you can listen when and where you want. All right, so you and I were uh, uh, talking about State of the Union address this week when uh, Biden came out and said, uh, you know, was talking about investment and going after the oil companies for not wanting to invest and then made the case that uh, we're going to need it for, you know, basically in an effort to make the argument, and this was unscripted, by the way, mm. uh, in order to make the argument that there would be it would be advantageous to oil companies and in their best benefit to expand. Uh, and this is hilarious because it's the last thing Democrats actually want, but to expand drilling, he said we're at least going to need it for another ten years, and everybody burst out laughing. Everyone burst out yeah, laughing, right? Because they knew it was a load of <laughs> horse manure. And and but the funniest thing was the thing that you and I picked up immediately was, well, you you just you have no idea. He's completely clueless as to capital investment and how it works. Yeah. Future capital investment. Completely clueless. Because by saying that, what you just told the oil companies is no, at at the most, at the at the furthest, you know, we're going to need it for another 10 years. Well, then they're not going to expand. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's just like the uh, OEMs with California. The OEMs are gearing up for uh, EV offerings for 2035 because they know the consumer base in California, you know, uh, is is according to the mandate uh, that's going to be driven by that mandate, and they're going to have to fulfill that mandate in order to have available new cars. Now, some believe, and I've heard a number of experts come out and or analysts come out and say recently they believe that California will be forced to kick the can down the road on that mandate. But 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 until that changes, 
the car makers are looking to gear up their fleets with EV sales in California because that's what the law is going to say. So when it comes to oil and natural gas production, the federal government, if they start setting, you know, these, um, even the political tone changes the nature of the investment. Huh. President said 10 years. Cut that in half. It's a five-year plan, and investment, you know, ahead of of that uh, development is huge, which is why, again, it's 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 laughable, but it's also scary because it it, it shows you that, that it's not just about California. It's it's the Democratic Party. They want to they want to kill oil and natural gas. So here we go. The uh, Wall Street Journal doing a, a, a little an article here uh, on uh, on Germany. Mm-hmm. Where they talk about carbon yeah. neutrality is something yeah. of a religion right. in uh, in Germany, but the faith apparently has its limits. Yeah. Sales of fully electric vehicles fell thirteen point two percent in January mm. compared to January of twenty twenty two. Sales of hybrids declined six point two percent. This compares to an increase in three point five percent in the number of new gasoline powered cars sold and a modest decline one point two percent for diesel. The main explanation is the end of Berlin's subsidies for EVs and hybrids as the new year, at the new year. Until December, the subsidy had offered up to uh, 9,000 euros split between the consumer and producer for EVs with the net list price below $40,000. You got nine. Now, for cars below $40,000, it's been dropped to 4,500. Mm-hmm. Uh, hybrids in that range receive, received 6,700. They have ditched the subsidies for hybrids entirely. It is expected that hybrids throughout the year will drop 20% at least. The Association for Automobile uh, Industry of Europe estimates a total sales of EVs and hybrids will fall. Hang on one second here. Mm-hmm. Why do windows change magically on computers when you I, do nothing? Yeah. What is that? Automakers aren't optimistic that demand will bounce back this year. The Association of Automobile Industry estimates total sales of EVs and hybrids will fall 8% this year. With the decline concentrated among hybrids, sales expected to fall 20% that will no longer receive any taxpayer support. This year will be a market test for electric vehicle demand in the Vatican of climate change belief. Uh, politicians in the West have used subsidies and mandates to drive EV sales, no matter that they aren't as green as they're advertising. The cars are only as carbon-friendly to operate as the power grids they refuel from, and Berlin's refusal to embrace nuclear power means Germany is burning more coal to cover for the end of natural gas imports from Russia. Then there's the environmental cost of mining for all that cobalt, copper, and lithium for EVs and their batteries. If consumers want to buy EVs, go for it. But what does it say about their appeal if people need subsidies to buy them? Mm. Well, there is no market. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. There's no market for it. But, yeah, when you see the uh, – the, but uh, EVs fell 13.2% in, uh, in, uh, in January when they cut the subsidies in half. Well, you know, okay, there are a couple of things there. Uh, you take the the fact that that 
governments, federal government, uh, and, and and any state incentives. Well, you're limited because you you can't keep spending money on something like that. And so, then beyond that, you talk about the cost of building EVs. That's going through the roof. I I, I don't know if anybody's done the breakdown of the recent increases that were announced in in the cost of uh, vehicles, but Rivian and and others on EVs. If I'm not mistaken, that those increases have greatly outpaced any government incentive. I I need to double check that, but I think I'm right on that. In other words, the cost of the EV went up by far more than what the government incentive is. So you've got a a dual hit on on demand on for EVs. So then who's buying it? Well, as we've been saying, a lot of people that are either into the technology because they're geeks or they're and, and they have plenty of wealth, they can afford it, they want to show their friends their EV. They're really cool, they're hip. But what is what really drives demand? What drives demand is something that is efficient, that is cheap, and that is efficient to operate and maintain. Especially now with inflation, yeah. which, by the way, is not going away for it's the not. next two years. It's not. We're not even close. And 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 you don't have to ask us. The Fed chairman himself said it the yeah. other day. This isn't coming from us. Right. So all of these things combined. And then, again, all right, I... you separate the demand from, you know, what the real demand would be without mandates... And then the, what the demand is from, again, the geek community or people who just want to show off and virtue signal with their car. Look, I'm saving the planet or, or look, I'm cool. I'm driving an EV. Uh, an EV. So, you know, beyond that, I, and, and I think that market is probably getting pretty close to being saturated. People that are driving it because it's cool or they're trying to send a message or they're an activist and, you know, whatever. I think that market is probably being close, pretty close to being saturated right now. Well, then where's the growth in that sector? Where's the organic growth in that sector? Here's my question. There's probably some research out there. If you take the total subsidies, and I don't mean the direct subsidies for each car sold to consumer and and, and OEM. I'm talking about to build these plants. You know the the up yeah, the sure. the up from the other side, all the subsidies right. on the other side. Yeah. What would it cost to build the the electric vehicle uh, if you didn't have all the subsidies and tax credits? We're not talking tax cuts right. because in order to get tax cuts, you need to make a profit. Right. Right. <laughs> and. <laughs> And they can make the case that they haven't made a profit mm. on an electric vehicle yet. Right? Which yeah. is why they need the subsidies. Right. But if you take all the subsidies across the board, I know in Western New York, I mean, they spent it, but they called it the Buffalo Billion. And they put a billion dollars of taxpayer dollars into, you know, basically infrastructure and for the, uh, 
uh, Tesla plant up there. Right. Taxpayer money directly went into building the whole damn factory, mm. which then they sort of, I think, the lease to Tesla. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't, that's different than telling somebody, uh, okay, if you build your automobile plant here, uh, you won't, you won't have to pay property taxes, you know, for the first 20 years. Right. Yeah. There's a difference in that because you're not giving direct cash out to them. Right. But it's the direct cash. And I just wonder if you take all of that into consideration, what it would be. What it would be across the board. No, I think that's a a, a, a very valid question in, in, in that you do have to measure everything. When we measure the, you know, when we go back to the whole ethanol mandate thing and, and said, wait, you're not measuring from farm to pump. Right, exactly. What you know, um, and and all this, I did say, or or the Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah, we're not mm-hmm. talking about just a laptop that exists, and it's Hunter Biden, and he smoked crack and had prostitutes on it. Right. See, that's what. No, 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 no. Right. Uh, you see, right. you're not completing the sentence. Right. You have to complete the entire equation, but across the board, the left will not do that. Right. And they. And you have to leave so much out of the equation when they talk about whatever it is, climate change, when they talk about, uh, you know, what they say we need to do for climate change, all the mandates they're proposing. And and how do you sell that to the public? Why is it that they, you know, tell you, you know, look, uh, and, and they chose, you know, wind and solar. Look at what we can do. Look at what we can do. Uh, look at what you can get from just wind, the sun. Just imagine no energy bills because the wind and sun. Well, remember, remember the that's wind. Crap. Remember the wind and sun are free. Why aren't right. we going at it exactly after it? And that's Not exactly. Free. And and <laughs> why do why do they need to do that? Because they know that every transition is about, up until now, on energy, has been about making progress and efficiency and availability and cost. So they want you to believe, well, well, the wind and the sun, they're not going away, except on cloudy days and at night, and, <laughs> and days where there's no wind. They... They want you to believe that that is the this is the natural transition we mm-hmm. should be making, right? But it isn't, no, because of how that energy is produced. You have to harness the energy. You have to harness the energy. You have to store that energy, okay. and they haven't been able to do that effectively. Oh. And they and and they know that, but that's part of the equation that they can't and talk about. You have to make it consistent and more economical, yes, for people to be interested. Exactly. And and I've said for a long time and having discussions with people and, you know, I've said it a few times here, um, but, you know, I've had a number of discussions with people and I have uh, one person that I've known for a long time. And he says, well, yeah, but I mean, I, I really think there's something there. Well, why aren't people flocking without subsidies? Why aren't people going you know, I mean, in, in massive numbers uh, at the home improvement stores 
lined around the block to put this technology in place themselves and use this technology well, because it's not there. The cost effective uh, part of it is is non-existent at this point. I know somebody who recently got solar panels put on their house and they had an incentive, but even with the incentive, they spent tens and tens of thousands of dollars and it's a small house. It's not a big one, but it's a new house. It's a, well, it's not brand new, but it's only a few years old. They went out and they spent this money and, and they looked at it and said, and apparently as a, as a couple, they were kind of divided on it. So they said, we're not sure if we'll, you know, they're, they still haven't come to terms of whether or not they'll get their return on investment. They're hoping that if they have to sell the house at any point, that that will be, you know, a strong appeal. But if you spent tens of thousands of dollars, where is that ROI for the average person? And how much money are you going to have to put into maintenance and repairs of those solar panels along the way? The technology is great, but are you going to make that kind of investment? 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Motel 6, we'll leave the light on. For every trucker out there needing a comfortable bed after a not-so-comfortable... It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Corley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-Red-Eye. Uh, uh, Coming up following the bottom of the hour, we'll hear from uh, some of the uh, the testimony, at least the opening statement from the FBI agent who testified mm. yesterday yeah. on uh, the Republicans holding the weaponization of uh, uh, of uh, government yeah. uh, hearings that they're uh, having. Just reading this mm. thing here from uh, Newsbusters. Who did it? Our friend did our friend Kevin write this article? Mm. I don't know if hold it. No, Mark uh, Finkelstein wrote it. All Morning, right. Joe trashes GOP over Twitter bias hearing. Nobody cares about Hunter's laptop. Just reading some quotes here. Uh, Mike Barnacle. I mean, the idea they think apparently their strategy is to key in on the people who are vastly interested in what's going on uh, on on Twitter. Here's what they care about. Jen Psaki chuckles. Here's mm. where they care about Hunter Biden's laptop and photos of Hunter Biden that nobody wants to see. That is what they are defending having out there. Mm. Scarborough. Nobody. You know, nobody's interested in it. Yeah, basically. right. Yeah. And of course, that's not what Republicans are looking into. No, no. Uh, Republicans are looking into something that Americans are con- extremely concerned about. And uh, that is about influence peddling. And this is where, you know, Joe Scarborough, who once claimed he was a Republican or in any way a a politician of integrity. This is where that goes out the window completely. Well, and, and that's it. You know, look, this is the question is. Is our current president compromised? And I think 
uh, a couple of recent uh, series of events, including uh, the Chinese balloon, the documents. All of this brings up a very valid question about um, how much influence uh, uh, was 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 gotten by the relationship that that any of these companies in China had with Hunter Biden. How much did they get their foot in the door? We know about the anonymous donors for the president's University of Pennsylvania office. And all of these things matter um, because, all right, uh, is, you know, it, is the is there anybody out there that believes, oh, he's working directly for the Chinese? That's remember what they were saying about Donald Trump. Oh, he's an agent for the Russians. He's a Russian agent in the White House. Well, we can all calm down and look at it and say, okay, what are the possibilities? Does he hesitate? Does he change policy with China? Does he have a very different set of glasses that he's looking through as a result of the influence peddling that was clearly going right. on with a family right. member? And then, of course, we get into did did Biden ever uh, cross the lines and break the law in any way? Were, were any laws broken? All of these are valid questions. And when it comes to Twitter, the big story is the fact that Twitter... Uh, Banned a story. Yep. Went against our own policy to ban a story, which leads, that connects the dots, to enriching the president's family. Right. The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be one of them. If you owe... The Bonus Show. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-BREAD-EYE. Uh, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. And as we, we uh, talk here, we have some audio coming up uh, from uh, the FBI agent hmm. uh, uh, who was um, uh, Nicole Parker, who testified yesterday uh, in front of the uh, House weaponization of the federal government, the House Judiciary Committee, and they're hearing on weaponization of the federal government. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But everything that's going on this week as Republicans take over, you will see one thing you will see from everybody on the left is not completing the sentence. Yeah. You know, as you saw, as we just related to on MSNBC, the Hunter Biden thing is the fact that Republicans just want to see those dirty pictures. Does anybody actually buy that? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, right. And, and right. so who are they selling to? Because the polling all shows that Americans are extremely concerned, even Democrats, with possible influence peddling. The polls show that. Yeah. We've gone yeah. through all the polls over the last couple of months. Right. Even Democrats are concerned with it. And, you know, and I'm not talking about the Democratic Party, the actual the uh, members of Congress mm -hmm. or the media. I'm talking about when the voter is actually pulled. The citizen is pulled on it. Right. They're concerned with it. As I've said many times before, 
There's partisanship, there's tribalism all over the place. But one thing's almost universal that the people of the United States don't like. Politicians who evade taxes and influence peddling. Yep. Those are really the two things can, can, that can cut, a car, a, a cut across tribalism. Is, uh, you know, when you find out, uh-oh, this might be going on. Mm-hmm. And so what you're going to hear is Democrats will not confront the actual issues that the Republicans are concerned with. They'll simply ignore what Republicans are concerned with and say, no, here's what they're concerned with. Republicans can say, here's what we're concerned with. And Democrats will say, no, you're not. You just care about the salacious pictures of Hunter Biden. Hmm. Have we ever said that? No, but that's what we believe because you're evil people. Hmm. (laughs) Right? Yeah, Yeah, that's what you're getting. Yeah, right. uh, uh, From them. And the same thing, if you've gone through uh, the the speakers, they're basically saying all this, whether it's the censoring of Twitter, and by the way, the American public, extremely concerned about social media and the censoring that went on, and very concerned about the relationship of the FBI to these um, um, uh, these social media companies. Yeah, and was yeah. government encouraging them? Was there a culture of uh, in the social media companies of saying, well, okay, let's sort of agree with what the federal government is doing. Was it coercion? Did they feel intimidated by it? Mm. Did they say, well, okay, we'll do it as long as you transfer money to us uh, because we're actually doing your government work? Right. Well, if you're censoring in any of those particular cases, those are First Amendment issues. And we'll see where we, we'll see where we go uh, uh, in all of this. Uh, you've got was a grass uh grassley uh, said yesterday that uh he said they have you know that oh, he said the department of justice the evidence that he has is the department of justice and the fbi has evidence that biden was involved in his family business schemes what that means precisely i don't know does that mean specific lawmaking uh excuse me law breaking because that would be the issue there we already know it's assumed the american public look at the polls it's 70, 75% believe that Biden, the Biden family has been enriched yeah, by Biden right. in, in political office. Right, right. So that already exists. Nobody is, is denying that at all. And so that's why you don't see anybody directly confronting it. What they do is, oh, they're just concerned with Hunter Biden. Hunter, Hunter Biden isn't president. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think it, one Republican has said Hunter Biden is president. So what they're doing is they're deflecting to something else. But they just watch all of it and see how they won't actually comment directly on what the allegations of the Republicans are. They'll make up and say, here's what the Republicans are concerned about. Right. And you say to yourself, I haven't even heard Republicans even say that. Well, they, they're saying something else, but here's what they mean. How do you know? Because they're filthy animals, and all they care about is the perversion that Hunter Biden was involved with. Yeah, filthy animal. I had to throw that out there from Home Alone. <laughs> but uh, yesterday you had uh, former FBI Special Agent Nicole Parker, uh, who uh, uh, delivered an emotional testimony, especially when she started talking about when she went into Parkland. Mm. And, you know, yeah. she started breaking down. Yeah. Uh, you know, on, on that, you know, I think probably brought back some... Uh, some some memories, but yeah. uh, former FBI special agent 
delivered an emotional testimony before the House Subcommittee on Weaponization, uh, telling lawmakers that she had resigned for the Bureau after it had just become too politically uh, weaponized. Uh, she, a former special agent who served in the Bureau from 2011, was it 2011 or was it 2001? Because she joined in 2001, I thought, is when she decided to become it. But it says here 2011 to 2022, reflecting on her career and saying that uh, she felt that she had been making an impactful difference. Uh, but she said the FBI changed. And let's play part of her opening statement yesterday. I would like to thank you for inviting me to come and respectfully speak to you today. The people of this country deserve the right to have faith and those sworn to protect. Faith is the foundation of hope, and hope can be restored through honest reflection of who we have become and who we could and should be. On September 11th of 2001, I was working for Merrill Lynch at the World Financial Center in New York City. I witnessed up close the horrific, deadly terrorist attacks on the adjacent World Trade Center. My colleagues and I evacuated our building and were led to safety thanks to the heroic efforts of NYPD officers. 2,977 souls were not as fortunate that day. As I watched the mayhem unfold to include people jumping to their deaths, I was shocked, heartbroken. I vowed to God that I would give back and serve this great nation. This vow led me to leave a multi-billion dollar hedge fund in 2009 and apply to become an FBI special agent. According to the Wall Street Journal, around 45,000 people applied to be special agents that fiscal year. About 900 made the cut, and I was one of them. After five months of arduous training at the Academy in Quantico, I was a sworn-in special agent assigned to the Miami Division. I considered it a very sacred responsibility and was honored to be entrusted to protect and serve the American people. My entire career was spent in the field where I believed I could make the strongest impact in rescuing victims and putting criminals behind bars. It was my privilege to work alongside the finest and brightest in the FBI, local law enforcement, and our federal partners, participating in the investigations of myriad criminal cases. The Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Parkland, Florida. The 2017 Fort Lauderdale Airport shooting. The Caesar Sayoc pipe bomb case. Multi-million dollar Ponzi schemes. Crimes on the high seas, bank robberies, murders for hire, sexual assaults, extortions, and more. Yes, it was physically taxing and emotionally jarring. But I believed I was making an impactful difference. And every day, I woke up and I embraced being an FBI special agent until things changed. Over the course of my 12-plus years, the FBI's trajectory has transformed. On Bureau, the papers... The Bureau's mission it remained the same, but its priorities and governing principles shifted dramatically. The FBI became politically weaponized, starting from the top in Washington and trickling down to the field offices. Although FBI employees have their First Amendment rights, they are not at the liberty to allow their personal political views or preferences to determine their course of action or inaction in any investigation. Lady Justice must remain blind. Those that do not uphold these responsibilities cause a negative ripple effect throughout the agency in the field. It's as if there became two FBI's. Americans see this, and it is destroying the Bureau's credibility, causing Americans to lose faith in the agency, and therefore the hardworking and highly ethical agents who still do the heavy lifting and pursue noble cases. It makes it very difficult for agents to do their job when the FBI loses the respect of the American people. 
There has also been a shift in recruiting practices, a lowering of the eligibility requirements, which is negatively impacting the agency's performance. And all this adds up to a loss of trust in the FBI by many Americans and low morale among many FBI employees. For many, becoming a special agent was their calling in life, but now it's merely a very dangerous and high-risk job with minimal contentment. Wary of consequences that come with voicing their displeasure, these agents keep their heads low. They work hard, and they stay off the radar, and they count down the days until they can collect their well-deserved pensions. For me, distancing myself from egregious mistakes and moral behavior, politically charged actions taken by a small but destructive few FBI employees became exhausting. Although I was always treated with the highest level of respect in the Miami division, I no longer felt that I was the type of agent that the FBI valued. I began to lose passion for the career I loved, and peace came as I reflected on the victims I assisted, the criminals I took off the streets, and I remembered positive performance reviews, awards, and accolades I had been given, as I left nothing on the line in my work as a special agent. I held out as long as I could, hoping things would improve, but finally I knew it was time to go. So less than four months ago, of my own volition, I made the difficult decision and quietly walked away from the FBI with an exemplary and spotless record. I love the FBI I joined, and I have treasured memories working alongside remarkable people. I'm proud to have served with honor as a special agent. And while I sincerely pray for the future, the FBI's future success, the FBI's troubles of late were bigger than anything I could change. Going forward, I will continue to serve others in our beloved country while honoring and celebrating the true heroes, both past and present, of the FBI. When I was invited to participate in this hearing, my initial reaction was to decline their request, as there may be others more capable, who would do a much better job than me. And why would I want to subject myself to the stress of testifying, putting a target on my back, and likely facing public scrutiny? As I prayed about this invitation, sorry, the thought came to me. To whom much is given, much is required. And I realized that this is not about me. I have been given the opportunity to speak up on behalf of numerous current and former Bureau employees who feel similarly, but they do not have a voice. I am not here today to show favor to any political party. I am here to stand for the truth based on my experience at the FBI. In all humility, I hope to make an impact in creating a stronger agency, which is what Americans deserve. There you go. You know, it's and we have said this all along that, uh, you know, when when we started severely criticizing the FBI and, you you know, Comey and, uh, you know, Peter Strzok and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and when the emails started coming out, you know, the you know, Peter Strzok, you could see their absolute favoritism for for a, a candidate. And it was on work email. We just said every one of those people I'd fire. And she just backed up what the standard has to be. Now, if you sit there and you say, if if you sit there and Strzok had said, look, I believe that, it, it, you know, how you write the, the email, for example, matters. Yeah, if you say, if right. you would sit there and say, I believe that Trump broke the law here, 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 here. Uh, does anybody agree with me? Does the evidence exist here? That's how an agent should act. Yeah. But when you saw the pure political partisanship that existed in the FBI, that's when you knew you knew that there was plenty of rot, and the rot seemed to exist more in the management. And our, you know, it's something that you and I brought up all you know, for a long time ago. And if you've been a long time listener to the show, you know that we've stated this before. It's not important whether it's a conspiracy theory or even a culture, or, or excuse me, a conspiracy 
or a, a culture. A culture can actually be worse because you don't need a conspiracy if you have a culture to do the wrong thing. And if the culture, which comes from management, is that politics is allowed and one side is going to be favored, that doesn't create a conspiracy. That creates a culture that is even worse. And that's been our biggest fear over the last 15 years with the FBI is the culture of rot that has existed in there. And you can see the good agents, the agents who go in, because don't tell me that there aren't people like Ms. Parker that goes in to the FBI because they say, I want to serve my country. I want to be a part of this. As she explained how she went in, leaving a hedge fund to become an FBI special agent. How many people do that? People did that after 9-11. And there's great emotion to it. You go in to get the bad guy, and you understand this isn't about politics. It's about criminal wrongdoing. And, of course, she gets emotional, number one, when you look at some of the crimes she covered, but then the rot in the FBI when you go in to do the right thing and you realize that from the top, the right thing isn't a concern for the FBI. That can be an emotional time. Everything you believed in for that bureau, for that agency, is being eliminated by people with a dangerous mindset. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. More trouble for the California pot uh, industry. Just reading here, too. Gavin Newsom's middle-class tax cut refund may be taxable. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey, that's part one of our show. Don't miss the rest. Click part two on our website, redeyeradioshow.com, or Red Eye Radio phone app to hear the rest of the show. And thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.